I'm Scott. I'm the CEO of Comio, and you are listening to Agency of Change. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Head of Strategy at Comio, Brock Fisher. Hello, everybody. The aim of our podcast is to showcase expertise, innovation, and excellence in property management in Australia. Today, our guest speaker certainly embodies all of those things. I'm really excited to be chatting with Daisy Campbell from Exceed Real Estate. Yeah, that's right. Dialing in from Western Australia, Exceed recently celebrated their fourth birthday. So in July this year, turned four years old. They've had a pretty remarkable four years, somehow managing to achieve 17 acquisitions at the time of this recording, currently managing 3,766 properties. Daisy, this is a pretty incredible kind of set of numbers here. Take us back to the start. Where did this whole thing begin? Thank you. Um... Yeah, well, look, I think that at the time when Exceed started four years ago, none of us thought that it would ever become what it is today. Um, Exceed started, like I said, just over four years ago when the CEO, Ray Ellis, actually purchased um, a rent roll of 90 properties that he already had a small shareholding in. Um, And then shortly after that, he purchased the agency that I was working at, um, which was about 360 properties, also based in Perth, just a small boutique property management company. Um, And from there, it was just a combination of the right people, the right timing, the right opportunities, um, and the rest is history. That is absolutely remarkable. So one of the things that kind of blows my mind when I think about you guys and what you've been doing is that we hear a lot of people talk about buying rent rolls and growing and and they've got these crazy ambitions but rarely actually pull it off. You guys just seem to have this remarkable approach to buying and integrating and being able to do several pretty quickly. The thing I found fascinating is the focus that you've got on people and culture. And, you know, when we've spoken, you've talked to me a lot about that being an important part of all of your success. Talk me through that. What, what's the secret sauce at Exceed? How do you guys do this stuff so well? Um, culture and people is definitely, yeah, one of the biggest things. So we always say, you know, you can have the uh, best technology, but if you don't have the right people, it's not going to work. Or if you have the right people, but you don't have the right processes and technology, then it's still not going to work. So it's a combination of both of those things. Um, and I think that our success has been that right from the beginning when we did the first acquisition, we also changed trust accounting softwares, um, acquired a rent roll that was really messy, uh, onboarded a whole lot of new staff. And I think that that was a really big challenge, but we just had a good energy at the time. And I think that that kind of set the pace that we sort of thought from then onwards, well, what could be worse? What could be what could be harder? <laughs> and it's kind of it's just kind of kept going that way um, where, you know, whatever challenge we face, we sort of think, oh, yeah, well, we've dealt with bigger before or we've dealt with more before. Um, the people is definitely the biggest thing. I think that our culture is a really um, motivated, high energy, supportive kind of culture. Um, and I think that's definitely attributed to our success. Now, Daisy, I'm just bursting at the seams with uh, with questions around acquisitions because I find it quite fascinating. And I've been through a number of acquisitions in my in my time, and I would say they're they're never easy. And in fact, I think people sometimes uh, really underestimate just how traumatic they are for the business generally in terms of the stress and, and the pressures that they put on things. And knowing that you've uh, you've done 17 acquisitions now, I'd really love to hear from you about not just the the operational process, but kind of how you get the team ready uh, to go into those scenarios and execute them so well. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, 
every acquisition is slightly different. It depends on the size of the agency that we're acquiring, whether we're taking the staff or not. Um, and you know the circumstances around why that agency is selling because we have um, you know taken on agencies that were performing really well and delivering really high service to their clients and um, especially when it's in some cases been you know a one-man band type scenario they have a really personal relationship with those landlords and they give them a, you know I think they go above and beyond which we always do aim to do but sometimes that can be difficult for us on the other side trying to manage those expectations when they're used to just having that one person for everything I mean We've acquired uh, rent rolls before where the property manager used to mow the lawns and, you know, paint the walls oh, and wow. literally do everything. Yeah. <laughs> Mowing the lawns, so that's really... definitely above and beyond. <laughs> yeah, hang on. Honestly, so... Like, I, I've got a property I need managed. I've got to find this person. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but these people are rare and it's just managing the expectations of clients on that side. And then we, then on the flip side, we take agencies that are, you know, struggling to make ends meet. You know, they're, on their tail, they're about to hit administration. It's pretty serious. They're losing staff and management's out the door. And those acquisitions are difficult internally, but I suppose from the client's perspective, really easy to please those people. Um, you don't have to do too much to satisfy what them. Do, what do you what do you think's harder? Like, is it when we both those options in mind? So on one hand, you say um, you buy a rent roll that's just over-serving. They've got all these incredibly happy customers, but it's hard to live up to that on scale, as we know. Versus, it's in a bit of a mess. You don't have to do a whole lot to make a positive impression, but you've got to get through the mess. Which is the easier of those two in your experience? I think I prefer the mess because I know I can fix it. I know I can sort it out. Um, I like that challenge. I think it's, um, I think I find that easier or more enjoyable than, you know, on the flip side because I, I want to please and it can be disappointing when you're giving your absolute best, but that's still not enough for some people. Whereas on the flip side, you know, the bare minimum is literally the best for them. Yeah, right. Makes sense. So Daisy, I'm kind of visualising like the A-team when it comes time to acquisition and you all roll up in a van and everyone knows their part <laughs> and the, the piece they play in your acquisition puzzle. Is it, is it that well drilled now or do you kind of have a bit of a fluid approach? Um, it is pretty well drilled now. So in most situations where we're taking on a larger size agency with some of the staff, um, we always, I mean, and I think even though that we differ in our approach, there are a couple of things that do stay the same all the time. So we, um, we suggest that the agency doesn't tell the staff until they have to. And once they've announced that to the staff, um, we like to get in there within 24 hours. We don't like to leave it too long because those staff, you know, they hear about it, they worry about job security, um, you know, they think maybe they should go somewhere else, they start to contemplate a change of career, all sorts of things. Um, so we like to get straight in there, tell them who we are, um, give them confidence in the way that it works. You know, we've done this before, we know what to do, here's what it's going to be like with us. Um, and then we just really start building on that change uh, management relationship with them from that day. Um, you know, and one thing that we do find is the same in every acquisition is that they are most successful when the person converting those managements is the person who has the best relationship with those clients. So if that is the business owner, then great. But in many instances with a larger agency, it's the property manager um, and it's absolutely crucial. And we often have the conversations with the sellers that they have the buy-in of those property managers and they incentivize them to have those conversations because ultimately, the, you know, the client is going to contact those property managers and go where they go or trust their advice if they say that this is a good move. Yeah, it makes sense. So in most instances then, is it fair to say that you actually take the existing team as well and then you kind of exceedify them? 
Totally, yeah. That is absolutely our preference because we feel that's in the owner's best interest, right? To have that person, that continuity who already knows their property. Um, so we do. And sometimes it can be um, a little bit of a challenge, especially with older, more established agencies. They've been, you know, the staff might have been there for 10 years. They've been doing things the same way. And all of a sudden we're like, now you're going to manage more properties and do it this way. Um, <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, it does. I feel like we've got that down to a fine art now. And I think as well, it's like, once you've done it a couple of times, the evidence is there for those people. So because we've done it 17 times, every time someone's got a bit of doubt, we're like, come meet our team, speak to the people who were in your shoes six months ago, see what they have to say. We do that every acquisition where we're taking on a team. We invite them to a social event with our team and we let them mingle and talk. And it's, yeah, it's been the best thing. That's incredible. Daisy, the, the thing that um, I think sort of surprised me that I don't think many business owners would be thinking through is actually the way you build a bit of a brand around Exceed as someone that, um, you know, if I want to sell a rent roll, I actually want to go looking for Exceed to buy it. And I found it fascinating yeah. the way you guys are actually sought out now when someone's looking to sell because you've got that incredible reputation around doing it well, conversion rates and retention rates are really strong, staff buy-in tends to be really strong. When did you guys start to get a sense that this was an important part of uh, your growth plan is being able to actually attract people that want to sell to you guys? Um, I don't think it was part of the plan. It just happened. And then we realized that that was um, obviously a really excellent benefit. And we have found, you know, the more that we do, if we ever are competing against other possible buyers, um, you know, our reputation and, you know, the evidence that we're able to do it and do it well and that we have excellent retention, um, you know, certainly goes in our favor. And we're at the point now where I think of the 17 there's maybe there's three, possibly four that have been done through a broker and the rest have all just been word of mouth, wow. people coming to us. You know, it's a relationship thing, I think. Um, we get down, we you know, we get to know that business owner, um, you know, and I think that a lot of them, for them, you know, it's their baby. They want to be really cautious about who they're handing it over to, um, you know, and I think just once they get to know us and they meet our team and they see the way we do things, you know, it gives them a lot of comfort in that. Yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I'd, uh, I'd love to talk a bit more about your structure because I know the, uh, the challenges of running a business on scale. Um, and, you know, I think the questions that, that people love to talk about are things like, you know, do you have a portfolio structure? Do you run a team structure? Do your department heads, do they manage portfolios? Do they have no properties? Like, are they just dedicated people managers? Can you talk us through uh, how you've structured the business and, and made it ready, not just for scale, but for accommodating that whole acquisition piece? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a really interesting one because it's been difficult to say that I sat down and we strategized and we planned. It's more so been um, that, you know, every year we have to reassess the way we're doing things because it's totally different to the year before. You know, what's working for 300 properties is not working for 3,000. Um, so we do have a bit of an idea about the direction that we're heading in, but everything is kind of working to a three to six month plan on, okay, this is what we can see. This is, um, you know, in terms of structure, this is what we can see. This is what we need to do. And it's also based on feedback from our team. Um, so, you know, we do have this really high performing kind of culture um, in our office but you know sometimes I think maybe we've pushed everybody to the limits <laughs> and they're not afraid to let us know they'll say you know this is a lot and then we say okay what do we need to do here um, what tasks can we have somebody else do how can we move it around and you know from that we um, birthed the role of the floating assistant so somebody who's not assigned to any portfolio that's always available to just jump in and help with routines maintenance whenever needed cover people when they're off on leave or sick for the day um, so that the work doesn't pile up 
Um, it was also how we created our in-house PCR team. So we have two full-time staff who just do all of our property condition reports instead of outsourcing those. Um, we do have a VA who does the on-charging for um, our tenant water invoices and a few other bits and pieces. So it's um, based on, you know, it's a very collaborative approach. It's based on feedback from the team on, okay, well, what are you enjoying doing? Um, what's taking out the most of your time? And what would be easy for us to get somebody else to do for you? And um, that's how we change our structure. But it is very much a team task-based approach. Your approach to culture and employee engagement is without question one of the best I've seen, not just in property, but across any of the industries that I've had a chance to look at. For those that aren't in WA, Exceed are pretty famous for these branded cars that drive around. I'd love to get, get you to tell me a bit about that. And one of the other things I found fascinating is the way you think about sort of off-site planning sessions and these incredible things you guys do every couple of years, because... Honestly, I've never heard anything like it and I think it's just, it's mind-blowing. Do you want to tell us a bit about those two things? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, we've got about 47 cars um, for our office at the moment. So all of our staff get a work car, including our receptionists as well. Um, it's really good branding for us and we've picked up managements just from the cars. People always say, I've seen your cars around. Um, and we do, I think what you're referring to as our overseas um, annual conferences that we do. So we try to take the team overseas every second year is the plan. COVID kind of put a bit of a um, dampener on that this year, but we're hoping, fingers crossed, for next year. Um, and that's just something that we do again to reward, um, you know, the whole work hard, play hard thing is something that we've got going on. And again, that's also where we strategize as a team and reassess, okay, well, this past 12 months, what did that look like? What could we do better? What are we going to start doing, stop doing and keep doing? Um, and we all get together as a team. I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible to do that in the office, to have everybody just, you know, phones off, um, sit down, work through everything. Whereas if we all sort of shut the office for a couple of days, we go overseas, we have a full day where everybody gets an input. And I think that's really important because sometimes, you know, when we've got all these different departments, you've got, you know, leasing, inspections, property management, administration. It's like when we all get together and one person says something about a process, then the other team understands how that all links up and might have an input. So that's how we review um, how we do everything and that's how we end up changing our structure and our processes for the next 12 months. That is insane. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah. So um, I think just sort of talk me through this thing because that's obviously a lot of money to spend, you know, for the average person listening to this, they're pretty mind-blowing investments in terms of um, what you're spending on your, on your team and your people. How do you quantify that? Like do you really think you're getting the value back from that in terms of the engagement of your team and the work that they're doing? Absolutely. Um, it is, it's, it feels so cliche and lame to say it, but it's electric in here. Like people love to work here, um, you know, and I, you know, every, we're always asking our team, what can we do? What can we do more? Um, you know, and we give anonymous surveys and things like that to try and see, um, you know, how we could improve. But people are just really proud to work here. I think everybody's really grateful for what we give. Um, we really put a heavy emphasis on having a fun, motivated workplace. I mean, we've got you, we don't have any agency branding in our office. You won't see Exceed Real Estate anywhere. It is wow. We've got slogans on the walls. <laughs> we've got neon lights. We've got scooters for riding around inside the office. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a fun, relaxed place to work. Uh, I did actually have a question around organic growth because you're quite, I guess, 
counter fashionable in terms of the way you've been able to execute ac acquisitions so well and not many people can do that so in the traditional property management business particularly on scale organic growth and organic growth strategies are often really top of mind so what are you what are you doing in that space in terms of i guess your traditional bdm and marketing type activities uh, so we do have a bdm in our office and she is you know always looking to grow um, our rent roll. So she takes care of all our sales leads, internal leads, current landlord uh, leads. We do um, allow property managers to sign people up as well. So if it's off their own portfolio, then we'll give the incentivize the property managers to bring on a new management. Um, but the whole goal of the acquisition model is so that, you know, an, an agency can grow organically, but we can grow organically grow organically on a much larger scale. Um, you know, when you're at, you know, three, four, five thousand properties, the organic growth from that is so much bigger than it is if it is at, you know, three or four hundred properties. And that's ultimately the goal. But when we stop acquiring to really focus on the organic growth, which should be huge on um, a rent roll that big. And do you find that property managers are actively looking for those sorts of opportunities or do they basically, if it kind of falls in their lap, they'll sign it up, but they don't, you know, Go, go on the hunt, I guess. Uh, I think because of the structure that we have going on here, uniquely, we do have property managers who are looking for new properties or asking for new management. So um, just in the last month, I've had three of our property managers come to me and ask for more properties to be added to their portfolio. And that is just something that doesn't happen very Hang often. Hang on, say that again. Um, They've asked for more <laughs> properties in their portfolio. Please give me more properties, said no property manager They've ever asked... normally. <laughs> I know, I know, that's it, right? But um, no, that's actually happening in here. And that is because of a number of reasons. Um, it's because of the financial structures that we put in place for our property managers. And it's also because of this friendly, competitive, it's not, it's, you know, we've kind of turned the whole, oh, I'm overworked, I can't do that. I That's too many properties. Do people want to be able to say, oh, 300 properties, I can do that. You know, it's something to be proud of. Um, I think that, yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty big point of difference. Daisy, I, I was amazed. I had the privilege uh, a little while ago of sitting down and having a bite to eat with Daisy, her, her business partner, Ray, and one of your staff members. I was amazed that sense of ownership in your staff and, and in your team of Exceed and, and the business and what you're doing. How do you get to that point? Because there's a, there's a big difference between an engaged employee who wants to do a good job and an employee who actually wants to advance the success of the company as if they owned it. What are you doing to get that level of ownership in your team? Because I think even the example a moment ago of, you know, give me more properties, that's a pretty, that's a pretty rare thing. It is a pretty rare thing. And I think maybe there's a little bit of subliminal messaging. We have work as if you own it on the walls. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm literally going to stick that sign all across the Colmio walls when we're back in the office. <laughs> it seems to be working. Um, but we do also have discussions with our property managers. Um, you know, we say, well, the portfolio is your business and we run it with you. We own it with you. Um, you know, we want you to own a part of this portfolio. Uh, and I think that when you give them that ownership and, and you give them that free reign, then they, you know, you give them a fine reputation to live up to and they really do. And for those where, um, you know, you're not getting performance, how kind of rigorous is your performance management process? It's pretty rigorous. So that does happen from time to time. Um, we can identify those people really quickly because our um, software is super transparent. Um, when we have those sort of situations, um, this is something that I've learned is that 
you know, we, we, we actually say to them, what can we do? What do you think the problem is? What do you need from us? And we will always provide whatever that is. Um, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And then that person understands that, you know, we don't have any fighting back. They sort of understand and agree um, and, you know, deselect from the group really. And it does, it does happen from time to time. And especially sometimes with these acquisitions, when you bring someone on and they might say, um, not for me, or we might say, not for us. Um, but no, overall, our staff retention rate is, yeah, really excellent. Now, I don't know whether this is heading into commercially sensitive territory, so please feel free to tell me to bugger off if, you, if you'd like, <laughs> but I'd like to talk pay structures and you don't have to, we don't need to talk numbers or fees or anything, but I'm interested, uh, is your view like the standard wage or salary plus incentives or have you gone down the path of a revenue split or something like that sort of thing? Like, How do you um, generally reward your team in that respect? Um, so we do have, definitely we've got salaries and incentives for, and we also have KPIs that we just change up from time to time. So um, there's, you know, standard incentives and KPIs built into their contracts, but you know, every now and then as an office, um, we will all decide, okay, what do we want to improve in? You know, this quarter, let's set the target um, and people who meet that, this is what the financial reward for that will be. Um, and revenue sharing is something that we offer for staff after a certain time frame and after certain requirements are met. So I think that that is another part of people working towards that goal. That's where they want more properties. They want to make more revenue for the company. Um, you know, and they, that's where they truly do feel as though they're working as if they own it. So it really is that kind of shared success approach where good for you, good for me, and it all becomes kind of self-fulfilling. Yep. Cool. Another thing that I've been having a lot of discussions about lately is um, is one-on-ones or one-to-ones and what that structure is, whether it's weekly, whether it's fortnight, whether it's ad hoc, random, you know, is there a defined structure to your catch-ups between a people manager and a property manager? Do you, uh, do you have a specific structure or format that you run in that regard? Yes, we do. So I'm actually, I'm really glad you asked this because it's something that we wish we had done a lot sooner. But um, myself and Ray, the CEO, we meet with all of the senior property managers every single Monday. Um, so that is our entire day gone. We don't eat lunch on that day. <laughs> and <laughs> we just sit in my office and meet with every single one, one after the other. So we have an agenda that we follow. And basically what we do is we look at, okay, what was the last week for you like? Is there any major dramas that are stressing you out that you need help with? Um, did you know 10 tenants all of a sudden just drop their keys in and now you've got a heap of finals to do? And then we also look at the next week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks and do some planning. And um, what we've found from that is that there is no, no one talking in the office to other people, oh, I'm busy, I'm overworked because we can nip that in the bud as soon as it happens, as soon as they chat to us. And another thing we find is, you know, we've got 13 portfolios, you know, one portfolio might have 10 people vacating this month. Another portfolio might only have two. So we get a really good overview of where everybody's at and we can speak to that person who has less uh, finals and we can say, hey, would you mind helping out so-and-so and doing a couple of their finals? And we're able to spread the work. So we kind of delegate for them. And it has absolutely been a game changer for us. You know, we look at each other and we say, we should have done this so much earlier. <laughs> we've been doing it for about, I think we've been doing it for probably four or five months now. Wow, so really recent in the scheme of what you guys are doing and all that growth, that's really recent. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. We were previously just doing um, team meetings once a month. We still do do that. 
Um, and then one-on-ones just when we sort of felt they were necessary or if they were needed uh, or if the staff requested it. Um, but no, we do that with the senior property managers every single Monday and then we also try to catch up with the assistant property managers every fortnight. But we also try to chat to those senior property managers and empower them to do what we're doing with their assistants. So it's kind of that triangle approach down of people managing people managing people. That's really interesting. Let me let me um, sort of take this forward a little bit. So we've been talking a lot about your path to here and Exceed's path to here. What are you seeing happening around the industry that you're either particularly excited by, nervous about, kind of paying attention to? What's going on on the periphery, I guess, in terms of you know the next six months, twelve months, two years? Um, I think a couple of things. So I think that a lot of the big players are taking up the small players. And I think that we're becoming obviously one of those big players. So I don't feel too nervous about that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But what I am really seeing is a lot of advancement in tech. And I'm seeing a lot of agencies who aren't embracing that are the ones who are, you know, sort of packing in, giving up or, you know, failing to meet margins. Um, I'm seeing, you know, all of these, I, I would say in the last two years, Um, I have seen more technology come out for property management and become more common than I have, you know, ever before in the industry. And I think if that's an indicator of things to come, well, I'm pretty happy about that because I, you know, I think we like to grab those things, embrace it. And sometimes we take technology on and, you know, it hasn't worked out. And other times we take it on and it's been a game changer and it's, you know, allowed us to grow or become more profitable. What do you think, what do you think sort of holding people back then? Because there's obviously, I mean, that's a pretty big thing to miss out on if some of these pieces of um, technology are making that kind of impact. What's stopping them from adopting it, do you think? I just think fear of change, um, fear of becoming irrelevant. Um, I'm just, some people I meet, they, you know, they just dismiss it before they even have any idea of what it's actually capable of. I think it's just the idea of it. It's just, they're so firmly rooted in the idea that people must do this. You must have one property manager managing a hundred properties and they must know and do everything. And that's what the owners want. Um, and I think there's always a small, of course, there's a small portion of landlords who do want that um, and, you know, they refuse to accept anything else. But the majority of people, the majority of our customers, we're finding are really embracing the tech side of things. They get it because it means that we're allowed to deliver a service more instantaneously, which is ultimately what everybody wants in this day and age. That's uh, kind of like the most dangerous words in business. That's the way we've always done it around here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Daisy, I want to ask you one last question. So... Everything you've done over this last little while, pretty remarkable. I'm guessing that there's been a lot of learning from the time you first sort of started in property management through to doing everything that you've done now, both sort of working through property management and now running this incredibly successful company. If you could go back and give some advice to uh, Daisy on day one in the industry with everything you've seen and done since, what advice would you give her? Okay, Um, I think that present day Daisy would go back to day one Daisy and (laughs) would tell her that it's okay not to know everything. I mean, I was 23 when I first became a licensee and I just felt that I had to put on this persona of, oh, you know, I don't want them to realize I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. Um, That it's okay to not know everything and that, you know, learning is a process. And I think also, Um, just to tell myself that one day I'll look back on, you know, all those big challenges and really appreciate them as blessings and lessons. And now, you know, every time I'm dealing with something tough, I think, oh, you know, it's going to be so good afterwards when I, when I realise what I've learned from this. 
a huge thank you to Daisy for taking the time to chat with us for today's episode. You can find more about Daisy and Exceed Real Estate at exceedre.com.au. You can find all the notes for today's show at colmeo.com. You've been listening to Agency of Change. It's been great having you. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.